Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We are here for another day of action at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And yesterday, we got to see the edge rushers, the defensive tackles, and the linebackers take the field. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to do all of that through Pick 6, Draft Buzz. Chris McPherson is going to join me as always. We're going to break down everything we saw from the field at Lucas Oil Stadium. Before that, though, we're going to talk with longtime NFL executive Mike Tannenbaum, now an analyst at ESPN. And Mike uh, shares a lot of really cool insights, not just you know behind the scenes, all the dealings going on here in Indianapolis, what happens this time of year in the football realm, but also some stories. We talked to him about uh, when he was with the Miami Dolphins in 2016, when he made some trades uh, with the Eagles in particular to uh, allow the Eagles to move up to acquire Carson Wentz. So we'll talk about that with Mike at the very top of the show in Mr. Relevant. I told you, pick six, draft buzz. We're going to break everything down from the combine we'll answer one of your questions in our draft mailbag before we get started quick reminder that survey i'm going to say it every episode here for the next few weeks just go on to philadelphiaeagles.com slash journey survey if you have a couple of minutes couple of minutes of downtime here over the next couple of weeks really really appreciate everybody that has already taken that chance and uh, helped us out a little bit again it's all content based trying to make this show better for you the listener whether you're someone who listens to the show just in the spring or if you listen all year round Really, really, really looking forward to your feedback. I appreciate everybody that has already done that. www.philadelphiaeagles.com slash journey survey. The link to it is also in the episode description here for so right on your phone. You could just scroll right over uh, into the episode description and click on the link. You can also find it on my Twitter page at FDuffy3. All right, let's get this show started. We'll start at the top with Mike Tannenbaum and Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, really excited to welcome into the Journey of the Draft podcast driven by AAA, uh, longtime NFL executive Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, welcome to the show. Great to be with you guys. How's it going? It's going great. It's uh, We're here in Indy. We're back. Uh, look, it's a um, different schedule this year, and every team is uh, It's interesting listening to everybody, the head coaches and general managers, talk uh, just about how the, the schedule is going to flip a little bit. But one thing that's consistent is that this is where the sausage is made. A lot of deals are, are made kind of behind the scenes and the talks start that kind of get things going for March and April. Uh, I want to ask you about going back now to the time machine a little bit. 2016, you're with Miami. Eagles make a big trade later in the spring, uh, moving from 13 up a little bit into the draft uh, in their quest to get Carson Wentz. Did those, when did those st- talks begin? How, take us behind the scenes a little bit as to when that process begins. Yeah, it really starts right about now. I think that's a great point, Fran. And it's uh, to me, it's always about being a good listener. Going back to 16, we were in year one of our program with Coach Gase. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, I was just talking about this. I think there's a great lesson from the Cleveland Cavaliers and what just happened with John Beeline. John Beeline was a great coach at Miami, excuse me, Michigan. And... Obviously, it didn't work out there. I think in year one, getting your head coach established is so critical Mm. in the NBA, the NFL. And for us in Miami, we felt like we had a good team, and we were able to acquire a couple stars in Myron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso. And because of a really weird thing, we were actually still able to get the player we wanted, Laramie Tunsil. Sure. So it was one of those trades. I think it worked out well for both sides. We went to the playoffs in year one, and... You know, for Philly, obviously, that was halfway towards moving on for Carson Wentz. So um, I think here it's about being a great listener. Yeah. You go back and you start trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And 
I think there was a number of trades we made during the season that started here in Indy. So how do those talks happen? I think Howie described it a couple years ago and said that you guys had your combine suites right next to one another and you guys were kind of in the hall talking. When do those talks become serious? How do you know that the other other side's serious? How yeah. does it all come to fruition? Yeah, you know, Chris, that's a great question. I think just over time you, you develop rapport with people and obviously have a lot of respect for Howie Roseman and the whole organization. And, again, I think it's just about being a good listener. Hey, what are you trying to accomplish this year? Are you guys trying to move up, move back? You know, where do you think you may have surplus? What are your needs? Um, and I think by the end of the combine, you know, within reason, that's probably a conversation you and your staff are having with – 28 to 30 teams and then you just try to make the best decisions for your organization so that one was one that you know obviously having a good relationship with how we was beneficial and it was one of those things where you know things lined up for both sides i feel like a lot of fans would be shocked at how often those talks happen and they don't materialize into anything but the talks happen is it more prevalent than i guess people would have, would imagine so yeah i i don't know what the numbers are but 25 <laughs> to 1 for every you know all those conversations but that's your job yeah like you have to flush out all these sort of like possibilities mm. and then execute on the ones that actually you think could help but it's so hard guys you know i talk about this when you sign players like over the course of my career the bullseye to get a deal done got smaller and smaller <clears throat> you have a salary cap which obviously the whole world knows about but every team has a budget you're running a business like anybody else and you have a owner you report to and you have a certain amount of dollars you can spend and then you have a myriad of the rules and it's hard um you have agents and you know they have their goals and their objectives so between your salary cap budget your cash budget the agent you try to get that bullseye. Likewise with a trade, you know, are you uh, acquiring a contract? Are you dumping a contract? How does that fit within the overall scheme? It's hard to get done. Mike, in your role as an analyst for ESPN now on the front office side, when you look at how you're I make on, trades all the time. Exactly. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 25 for 20. It's easy. <laughs> when you look at the job that Harry Roseman has done, what makes him a good general manager? Well, I really admire their consistency. Mm. You know, we see a lot of teams have peaks and valleys. A lot of the teams I've been with, we had peaks and valleys. And I think where Howie and his staff, they've done a great job is I, I like the consistency and, and the nucleus. And with that said, look, every year we're going to make changes, and they have some notable free agents this year. But when you look at the core, the guys like Brandon Graham that they've been able to re-sign and keep and obviously extend Carson Wentz, you know, you look at the, their skill players when healthy. I would put theirs up against everybody's, you know, with Miles Sanders and Ertz. And, you know, this past year, if they were – all healthy between Alshon and Deshaun and um, Aguilar. So I think from that standpoint, the depth and the sustainability have been very impressive. You're in the NFL for a long time. And one of the things I talked with a, with a couple of GMs today was lessons learned like on the job. And you kind of reflect back to earlier in your career. Were there lessons that you learned along the way that you know that you were able to kind of pull with you as you went along? It was like, man, like this was a decision I made that you know 10 years ago I made it then, but I would not make it now. What are some of those lessons that you can share with us? Yeah, I don't know how long do we have on the page. <laughs> we got the headphone guy over there just like, like the way I'm holding the mic anyway. So. <laughs> Poor Peter's being so brought it's into all the discussion. We're yeah. trying to get better. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> you, you know, um, I, I think it's the ability to be like, we can walk away from this and we're still going to be okay because anytime you have a privilege of one of these jobs, I would go in that building every day knowing that there were so many people's lives that were counting on us doing a great job. It's not just my family, but like, you know, it's assistance, it's the groundskeeper. And when you have the privilege of one of these jobs, everybody is relying on you mm. to make a great decision. And I used to go into the building every single day and look to my left and right, and I'm like, I'm going to give you everything I got. I am not going to let you down. 
you know, Coach Ryan had a great expression, like, we're going to win or die trying. Mm -hmm. And that was always my approach. And I think sometimes that kind of bled over into, like, hey, we got to get this done. Well, okay, if we don't, like, we got good alternatives here. Or, you know what, like, the left guard isn't going to be ideal, but we're going to help him early in the season. We're going to slide protection. We're going to develop him. And by the sixth game, we're going to be okay. And I think one of the hardest calls to make is on opening day, we'd all want the veteran in there. They know what to do. They've been through it before. But the question of when the aging, declining veteran is surpassed by the young, ascending young player is one of the hardest decisions any team has to make. Yeah. And when does that cross-section happen? And if that's room number one, room number two is, is that sort of intersection going to cost you games? And you could look at the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Jason Peters. He is, you know, the epitome of the old veteran, knows what to do. But at some point, they're going to have to move on from him and cut the cord. Is it going to be this year? And there's going to be growing pains, but it's probably going to be worth it in the long term. So how important in those instances that the personnel side and the coaching side are on the same page? Because obviously the coaching side, we want the guys who we think are going to win today. And you guys are like, well, we got to do what's best over the long haul. Yeah, that's a great point. And going back, well, what does Howie Roseman do well? Last year they traded up over Houston to get Andre Dillard. Very good pass protecting left tackle. A little bit undersized. Really good feet, more of a prototypical left tackle in today's football. Hmm. That move presumably was made to say, hey, at some point, Jason Peters is going to have to graduate. So they dealt with that a year ago. And I don't know if other teams do that as effectively as Philadelphia, hmm. and they deserve a lot of credit for that. The compensatory pick uh, discussion is always interesting to have, and I think it's it's changed, obviously, with now the ability to trade those picks. What has that done for, for, I guess, that strategy behind getting those picks and using them? Yeah, it just gives you more flexibility yeah. to say, like, hey, th these are other ways we can improve our team because these are picks we can move at, at the appropriate time. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting when you, when you talk about those because some teams do a great job. And, you know, Baltimore is famous for acquiring tons and tons of compensatory picks. Mm. I'm probably a little bit more in the middle of that because sometimes, like, I want the player. Like, I right. know that this player is going to help. And when you study like what a third round pick or a fourth round pick over 10 years, what they actually play, you're like, you know what? It's reasonable. Let's take the player. It's nice to have the fourth round pick on paper. But at the end of the day, like there's about a 50 percent chance they're going to contribute. What's the process of finding out? Say you have player X that you really want to target, say, middle of the first round. What's the process of finding out how other teams are valuing such players so that you know that if you look at the Eagles case with Andre Dillard, they had to jump in front of Houston, who needed offensive line help? Yeah, I think that's where, again, it's, you go back to the organization, great pro department, assess teams' needs, project within reason, look at the visits and things like that. No one's ever going to bet a 1,000, but it was reasonable to think that, hey, Houston was going to take an offensive lineman, and therefore if we really like Dillard, and if Dillard's up here, and the next guy is down here, you know, let's go ahead and, you know, give up that fourth round pick because, again, if we're right and our evaluation right, we're going to go from Peters to Dillard, and now for 20 years that left tackle position solidified. We'd all raise our hand in this room to say, if that's going to cost us the round pick, we're good. Yeah, well, my last question for you is just looking around, and one of the things I love doing is just studying how teams kind of attack the team building process, free agency, and especially the draft. Some teams, you know, clearly they go best player available. Some teams, clearly it seems like they go, uh, you know, hey, this is the laundry list of needs we have. This is the positions that we want to kind of address. Does it change? Do you feel like it, that's a, a identity that changes for you as you go on and, and your team is in different phases of your development? Or is it hard and fast, like this is our identity? I think it's more like guidelines. You know, I always say, hey, like our plan's firmly etched in pencil. So 
I think every year you're going to have to reevaluate, make the best decision for your organization. Mm. If you're looking for a receiver this year, clearly given the historic depth at receiver in this year's draft, you're probably going to say, hey, you know, we're going to be on the low end of fair on the veteran side because we could get, within reason, a decent wide receiver. So I think every year you're going to try to contextually have those discussions. But I think what's important is can we win for today and develop for tomorrow? And, again, I think last year is a great example of that. They did that with Jason Peters having Dillard. Yep. You know, Miles Sanders, they drafted him in the second round. He should be a guy that should produce from day one and hopefully for a long time. So I think – you can have your core beliefs and then say, hey, even though we like to have a receiver that has a little bit more experience, the depth is too attractive this year. Mm. We'll get a guy, and, we'll, and then we've got to go coach him up. Yeah, it's a, a really fun dis uh, discussion that uh, we have numerous times here on the podcast. So, Mike, really appreciate the time here on the Journey of the Draft podcast driven by AAA. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys, thanks. Now it's time for Pick 6. Fun stuff there from, from Mike C. Mack, and I'm going to give you all the credit. You, so you set that interview up, and uh, you were the one that thought, you know, let's ask him about uh, about Carson, the trade for Carson Wentz, and uh, that was cool insight uh, back to something that happened four years ago now. I, I was hoping for a little more, maybe some more juice behind yeah, a little the, bit, but... what, what actually happened, though. But uh, the thing I took away was it, it's similar to how every prospect, or every team, I should say, here at the Combine is going to try to meet with every prospect yep. in one way or another. So... We always make fun of the reporters who say, did you meet with this team? Did you meet with that team? Teams are trying to meet with everyone, or at least as many as they can. They try to get to all 337 players if possible. It reminds me how so many discussions go on behind the scenes regarding trades, and I'd be fascinated, you know, in like a book or something along some time down the, down the line uh, in terms of like the trades that never happened that maybe almost came to fruition. Yeah, I think you know there's there was some of that this year in the NFL season when the report came out about the New York Jets talking about Jamal Adams, and you would think he's an untouchable player, but uh, a report came out, and you know the Jamal wasn't happy about it, and the Jets weren't happy about it. But those kinds of things, I mean, th those chats happen. I mean, I think I think it would be crazy to not have those conversations and explore every avenue to improve your football team and if you have those talks, uh typically they stay in house and, and no one lets that word out, but uh very very interesting uh stuff there from Mike Tannenbaum. All right, let's get into pick 6 and as we've done all throughout the course of this week, we're going to talk through six players that really helped themselves and really generated the most buzz and we're going to look at it from the complete scope, on-field workouts from the position standpoint and also the athletic testing. Uh CMAC I, I went first this time, mm -hmm. and I took Willie Gay Jr., the linebacker out of Mississippi State. Now, this is a player that I had not studied yet, even though he's an underclassman. I just I just didn't get to him, um, and I had gotten some word that he was a guy that uh, that could test well. I just couldn't fit him in, man. There were so many guys on my uh, like uh, for the preview for the cheat sheet that. You know, with, with Savion Taylor and Isaiah Simmons and Patch Queen and all these other guys that were athletic, and I'd watched them on film and I knew that they were going to move well. Um, I just couldn't fit them in there, and he blew the doors off the workout from an athletic testing standpoint. Four four six forty yard dash at two hundred and forty three pounds. Wow. Not to mention the broad jump of over eleven foot. <laughs> That is the record for linebackers drafted in the last ten years. So you know, going back the last decade, every linebacker drafted, no one brought it as far as as Willie Gay Jr. did last night. Um, you know, and watching it, you could see all the players 
from around the road that were in that vicinity, all circling around the broad jump area just to see how far he was going to jump because his first jump was a couple inches shorter than that. So now everybody that got the buzz going and everybody was uh, excited for him. And then he went 39 and a half in the vert on top of that. Solid shuttles as well, again, for a guy who's 243 pounds. I thought the position workout was good. I don't think it was great, but I think overall, the overall performance, uh, Willie Gay Jr., really, really impressive. When a player in a drill basically makes the stadium stop to watch. Right. That's that's when you know it's good. We okay. did, there were a few of those this week, right? Like Henry Ruggs running the 40. Certainly. Isaiah Simmons last night. Willie Gay certainly doing the process. Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, Tristan Wirfs, good when one. Wirfs went, you know, but definitely, you know, there was a buzz there. And you could see all the people kind of congregating around to, like, get up close view. That That's, that's what's great is when the other players, the guys who are competing with them, are like, all right, this guy's pretty good at this. Yeah. We got right. to see this unfold. No so. question. So you mentioned Simmons already. I just want to kind of get him out of the way. Yeah, okay? no question. Yep. I will say the one thing, a little disappointing not to see him do the on-field drills. And it was, they're going through the list of, like, the players who are not participating. There's certainly some for medical, some by choice. And you're going down the list and you're crossing off the names and it's just like – man, we're not going to see him. We're not going to see him. And a little disappointing from that aspect. Well, it looked like he actually pulled up after that 40. And no one talked about that. But at the very – like, I mean, when he was like 80 yards downfield. So yeah. When he complete was towards the end – I, and I haven't seen this reported or anything, but it looked like he did come up a little bit lame. Um, so I don't know if he just like tweaked something and he was like, "All right, that's it," or if he, uh, you know, just closed it down. But I agree, it was it was a little unfortunate not to see him go Certainly. through uh, all the position drills. But uh, ultimately, I mean, he went four three nine in the forty yard. Yeah, dash. the numbers. The thing is, you know, thirty nine inch vertical, eleven foot broad jump. Crazy numbers there. Just yep. just insane for someone. You know, two hundred and thirty eight pounds. Just. He's already in that discussion to be a top 10 player, so all the athletic traits are there. And I, I think what's so fun about him is what does he project to at the next level? That yeah. Between now and the draft at the end of April, I think that's going to be one of the best philosophical discussions is how do you use a player like Isaiah Simmons mm. moving forward? And you see, you know, th this goes back to Henry Ruggs. You knew Henry Ruggs was fast. You knew Isaiah Simmons was was athletic, but to see it on the field now, it just makes defensive coordinators, I think, kind of you know dream a little bit of how they could utilize him in their defense. There was the shot they used in the broadcast last night of uh, Mike Mayock and Paul Gunther from the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, just kind of looking at each other and smiling and laughing after he ran the forty. Uh, I think that was pretty much everybody's reaction uh, after he finished that test. Uh, my next one, I'm going to go with the defensive tackle position, C Mac, and okay. a guy that uh, we got to see up close in person uh, at the Shrine Bowl, Cleo Davis. Yes. Six one even, very short. Thirty one and a half inch arms. T Rexish. But I think when you look at the uh, the overall <laughs> workout, he went four seven five in the forty yard dash. A really really impressive number for a guy who's three hundred eight pounds. One six three ten yard split. Okay, so one point six three seconds he was able to uh, eclipse ten yards in the forty. Outstanding number, especially at three hundred eight pounds. Didn't do any of the other athletic tests, which was a little bit disappointing. Didn't do the shuttles, didn't do the jumps. But then he goes and he aced the workout. I thought he was one of the best defensive tackles uh, in the positional workout, did a great job uh, throughout. So I think you look at Khalil Davis, to me, uh, one of the guys that showed <clears throat> a complete game. I'm going to be honest, when I watched him in Nebraska, I, I didn't see that level of athlete, that level of mover. Uh, I got to go back and do more because he – had a good week at the Shrine Bowl, uh, was, was disruptive throughout, uh, was one of the better guys down there in one-on-ones, uh, and then he goes to the Combine and has this performance. One-year starter down there, only started 11 games over the course of his career. His brother, Carlos, started more than double that, uh, but Khalil Davis, I thought, was really impressive. He gets bragging rights on his brother. 
Yeah. That's a big thing to come out. It's I mean, twin, Car- twin brother. Well, by I mean, the way, Car- so. Carlos, I mean, Carlos ran 482 at 313, and the 168 was outstanding as well. Um, I, don't, I don't even know. Did Carlos even do the drills? I'm not even sure that Carlos went through the uh, position drills, but um, but I think when you look no, at Khalil Davis, yeah, I didn't think he yeah. did. Uh, but Khalil Davis, uh, I thought, was, was outstanding across the board. So, very, very good point there. You know, with him, when we were doing this, we're sitting down to, to map out the guys. It's like a draft, and I was a little nervous, okay? I was a little nervous because, you know, there's certain guys who really stand out you want to be able to discuss. And, sure. uh, you know, the player who I really wanted, uh, going back to Shrine Bowl, saw him down there. He was arguably the top edge rusher in attendance there. And he comes here, and I thought had a, ter- a terrific positional workout and very, very good numbers, timing, and testing out of Charlotte. Alex yep. Highsmith. Yep. Uh, four, I would have taken him if you didn't take him. I was I was nervous. I was nervous you, that you were going to take him. So 4-7 in the 40, 10-5 uh, in the broad, three cone of 7.32, very good, 33-inch vertical. Uh, but then let's go to the positional drills, because I thought just that alone, the positional drills alone I thought were good enough. Yep. Violent hands in the pass rush. I thought in the uh, the run, the hoop, the figure eight, one of the new posi- new drills here this year, I thought he might have had the best rep of the edge rushers in that one. He was good in the wave, showed good agility, a quick feet in the four-back drill, just top to bottom from the timing and testing to the positional drills. I thought Alex Highsmith was very good. He was great when we saw him in Tampa, St. Pete, good here at the Combine. So it's very much in the same vein as Davis, someone who, who you have to look at. And I will say this, the edge rush group overall – I will say. A little underwhelming. It's not the year you want to have that as a need. Yeah. So certainly this, to have a great workout like this really helps put yourself in that discussion because p- teams are going to want edge rushers, okay? So if there's a scarcity there, you know, his value is going to go up just a, just a little bit more as a result. So A very productive player, too. Only a two-year starter. But he had 185 tackles, 47 tackles for loss, both really good, strong numbers uh, when you look at you know context over the last 10 years of guys drafted that position. 21 sacks, uh, also a pretty good number as well. So uh, a guy that was very, very productive. I actually got tipped off by, uh, about him, C-Mac, uh, from Nate Davis. Last year at the combine, oh, uh, Nate, look at that. Nate Davis told me about him last year here. Uh, as I'll keep an eye on this kid, and um, Highsmith has not disappointed. He's played uh, very, very well, uh, you know, throughout the post draft or the pre draft process. So uh, a guy that certainly helped himself. My final guy is another guy that I watched. And I thought it was solid. I wasn't blown away by him. And I know there are some, uh, you know, Dane Brugler, friend of the show, big, big fan of Wyoming linebacker Logan Wilson, uh, another guy, outstanding, outstanding production over his over the course of his career with the Cowboys. This is a guy that posted uh, a whole bunch of tackles, a whole bunch of TFLs, uh, was really productive on the ball as well. 24 ball disruptions over the course of his career, uh, 10 picks, 14 pass breakups. So uh, this is a guy that can do some things for you in coverage, Four-year starter, very durable. Uh, he comes out, I thought, had one of the best positional workouts. C-Mac was really, really good across the board uh, in all of the linebacker drills. And then in testing, I thought he did a solid job across the board. You know, goes 4.63 in the 40-yard dash at over 240 pounds. That's a really good number. 7.07 in the three-cone, 4.27 in the short shuttle. Really good numbers. Again, for a guy who's over 240 pounds, jumped well as well. So I think when you look at Logan Wilson, he certainly checked this box. The, the magic number for linebackers in the 40-yard dash is 4.8. Don't go under 4.8. Okay. You want to try and break that. And I think uh, for a lot of these guys, they were you know that where speed was maybe the question, they were able to check that box. And I think that Logan Wilson, um, you know, did that. 
on top of a really strong positional workout. I was going to say, I'm going through his positional workout and just noted good rep in the four-bag drill, good yep. agility uh, in the uh, zone drops, caught everything that was thrown his way. He looked good out there in space. Uh, the backpedal and react drill, very, very good in that. Uh, you know, even showed some pop in the hands on the pass rush drills. It, it was just like overall just a very good workout. Across so the from, board. From top to bottom. Really strong. Agree. So my last player here, okay, Going to linebacker, and it was almost not fair watching him because you see some of these guys, like Akeem Davis-Gaither didn't work out, okay, but you're talking about from a size standpoint. You were lined up him against next to Malik Harris from Ohio State. Right. And yeah. there's and there's such a difference from a so size perspective that it's like Malik Harrison doesn't belong in this group, okay? <laughs> but I thought he was very nimble in the positional workouts. I thought he checked the boxes in the zone drops. Uh, his timing and testing numbers were solid. You know, certainly the biggest thing is, like you said, you just want to, you know, hit those uh, benchmark numbers and you don't want to be in the red and as someone who's going to be speed or athletic deficient out there on the field. And I thought overall Malik Harrison did a very, very good job from top to bottom. Uh, was just very impressed, though, in the, in the positional workout. And when you when you factor in the size on top of it, makes it that much more of a, a treat to watch. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned he went four six six in the forty, which you'd look at and say, okay, like that's okay. But at two hundred forty seven pounds, you factor in the weight. That's a really good number. And he went six eight three in the three cone yeah. for a, again for a guy who's two hundred and forty seven pounds. Really, really good number. So uh, ultimately, I thought Malik Harrison was really strong, um, and I agree with you across the board in the position workout was really, really good as well. I, I would have picked Malik, Malik Harrison, certainly uh, was on the board for me. All right, uh, so those are the six guys that we thought across the board on Saturday night uh, really kind of checked the box and generated some buzz for themselves. Now, let's get into the rest of these guys and who stood out, uh, and, you know, looked, in, looked good in position drills, looked good in testing. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, C-Mac, well, let's, uh, let's buzz through uh, some of this stuff. We're going to go through three positions. We'll go a little bit fast. There's a lot of players here to get through, but we'll start at D-Tackle. Again, we'll go back to my cheat sheet and kind of reflect on some of the picks I made here. Workout Warrior, Neville Gallimore, Explosive 40 mm -hmm. uh, was really, really good. What was he? Wowed four, seven, 40. Three, right? He wowed everybody there. Um, the shuttles weren't good, and he didn't do jumps. So, uh you know, in, in the drill that everybody was focused on, he blew that one up. The That's shuttles were all the other. But the question is going to be the agility and everything else yes. that comes along with it. Because I'm going back to my notes here for the positional workout, and I thought it was very violent. The pass rush drills was okay in the agility drills. I, I yep. think he was stupendous, but I thought he was good. Um, so that, that's going to be something to watch. Uh, off the radar, I went with Rashard Lawrence, who I didn't really match uh, what my expectations were. Uh, below average in the 40. The agilities weren't great. It should be noted, the agilities these guys do at the very end of the workout, and so they've already gone through everything, and that's why you're seeing a lot less guys uh, not only run the agilities, but the agilities overall have not been very good. That's been the last thing that these guys have done uh, over the court. After they're done all the position drills, they're done, the jumps they do early, the 40 they do, uh, they do early, the, the agilities they do at the end. and uh, So you're seeing a lot of these guys not even do it, and some of them haven't done well at all. It, the schedule with the shift to moving the drills to prime time, the whole, the whole setup is interesting because you start with the position drills themselves. They're still being modified up until – 
the day of the workouts, yep. which is really, really fascinating there. You know, we talked on yesterday's episode about the Deuce Daily Drill, how that was Deuce was called two weeks ago to, you know, bring that to do that there. And even the original version of the Deuce Daily Drill to what they did was slightly, was yeah, slightly changed tweaked. a little bit. Yep. So the guys aren't able to really prepare from that standpoint. So they don't know what's coming, you know, to an extent, which is you want to see them in, you know, uncomfortable situations, which is, which is fine. But it's interesting they're still trying to get that you know, situated. And then we talked about this during the wide receiver workouts, how they come out to do the explosive testing, the broad jump, the vertical jump, and then they got to sit for a long time. Yeah, that, they, you're talking like, because again, they come out in waves, right? It's uh, two or three groups every night. And so while the first group is running the 40, the second group will come out and they'll do the broad jumps and they'll do the, 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 the broad and the vertical. And the third group will come out, they'll stretch, they'll do the jumps, but then they have to wait for group one to finish and group two to do everything. So they're sitting on the bench. They get cold. They have to restretch. It's, it's interesting to see how, the, how this whole process goes. We'll see next year if they, if they kind of put some uh, more changes in You there. know, but I wonder, like, did that contribute to Patrick Queen getting hurt last night, Kenneth Murray getting injured last night while running the 40s? That, it's those types of things that make you wonder. So. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's certainly something uh, to keep an eye out for moving forward. Uh, my stopwatch shocker was Jordan Elliott. Uh, decent. I thought decent uh, athletic workout. Nothing uh, nothing bad, uh, nothing great. I thought it was a solid workout overall. Uh, will kill the drills. I picked Marlon Davidson, the defensive tackle from Auburn. Uh, one of the guys got injured uh, running the 40, yeah. so we didn't get to see him no right go there. through drills. But um, athletic testing. I talked about Khalil Davis. I mentioned Carlos Davis. Carlos Davis uh, posted up really good numbers. Uh, Malcolm Roach, kind of a guy that no one's really talking about. Uh, uh, practice with the the defensive end group, we'll say, the edge guys, uh, but he's 297 pounds. He's an interior yeah. guy. He should have been practicing with that first group. Why he was doing, why he wasn't, I don't know. Uh, but now that workout that he posted goes under the radar because he's being compared in all these lists to all the, the second group, when in reality, if he's going with that first group, he went 484 in the 40. He went 168 in the 10 yard split. Those are good numbers. He jumped 114 in the broad, 30 inches in the vert. Those are good numbers. It was a good workout for Malcolm Roach, a guy from uh, Texas that I haven't gotten a chance to study, but he's been on my radar for a long, long time. It's a great point you make because I think some of it could be said for some of the linebackers. Right. Who looked, you know, a little questionable out of place in the linebacker drills. But then, as some of them had to do the one, do we want to call it the run in the club or the run, the run in run in club, run yeah, in club. Yeah, I, was, the, I almost like run in the club, run in the club. Know? Yeah, a little, little bit of a different way. story there. Different story, exactly. So, uh, but they would line up to do those afterwards, and then they looked really good. And you're like, they're probably going to be most likely edge rushers in the NFL if they had worked with that group. It was been much better i think they have to hone in on the on kind of differentiating dl and lb because i get why the guys want to be seen as linebackers but get the edge guys all together yeah. get the interior guys all together let's see they try and break that up with the groups but overall if the guy is listed at lb you can't put him with the dl so no. uh you know i think they got to kind of split those guys up uh we'll see if they, they're able to do that Moving forward, uh, just Justin Matabike, Texas A&M, um, didn't, didn't do the jumps of the short, short shuttle, but really strong 40, strong 10-yard split, strong three cone. Those are the three that uh, everybody kind of looks at, and I thought that uh, Matabike checked the box in all of them. And uh, I'm gonna be, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I thought he had a really good positional workout as well. He was one of the guys that uh, stood out to me. I believe I gave him an A uh, after the position work, and, and I thought Matabike uh, had a really strong more, or, uh, afternoon uh, down over the, uh, across the street at the stadium. I thought, he, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, James Lynch, 
uh, the kid from Baylor. We haven't talked much about him. No. <clears throat> really productive player over the course of his career. Try-hard guy. Uh, has some quickness to him. Finesse player. Uses his hands well. Not super powerful, but um, a guy I thought had a pretty good workout overall. The last guy I wanted to bring up from an athletic testing standpoint was Robert Windsor. Um, uh, that's a good one. I was... <clears throat> yeah. I thought, he was, I thought he was pretty good across the board. Uh, three cone, shuttles, uh, the, you know, across the board, above average. And I think, you know, for a guy that was questionable athleticism, oh, does he have that quickness? Does he have that ability uh, to penetrate and make plays? Uh, I thought he, he checked that box on Friday night or Saturday night. Going back to, you, to your cheat sheet with wide receiver, you mentioned your workout warrior was going to be KJ Hamler, or was going to be KJ Hamler, right. but he pulled out. Yep. And you, know, you said, you know, every year there's a Penn State guy. The Penn State guys, all, for the most part, always do well. And all of a sudden, as I was looking through the numbers this morning, I was like, oh, Rob Windsor. And Did a nice job. Lan- lanky dude. Yeah. Real long legs, lanky guy. But I, after I saw the numbers, I'm like, no, oh, there's your Penn State guy. For he runs year. a little wonky. You know, he's got yeah. the, the, the arm action is a little funny to watch, but yeah. uh, I thought he did a pretty good job overall. Uh, position drills. And this is what you know. We're <clears throat> we're sitting there. We're taking uh, copious notes uh, watching the position drills. I know one guy that. Look, the athletic testing was not wasn't kind to Derek Brown. I was um, I was w- waiting to see if you were going to bring him up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't kind to Derek Brown. Uh, but position drills, I gave him an A. Uh, I know he was the guy that stood out to you as well. I thought he did a good job going through the bags. I was going to say he nailed the the agility drill with the bags. I did a great job. Showed violent punch in the pass rush drills. Uh, ability to bend, turn, dip the shoulder in the running club drill. So I, I came away very impressed with the positional workout. And then you saw the numbers, and it was like, what's going to be the story with Derrick Brown moving forward? Because he's projected to be a top 10 selection. So, you know, position-wise, you're like, it's everything you're looking for. But those athletic testing numbers, are you going to be able to live with that? It's something I've talked about on the podcast in the past is, you know, watching Derrick Brown, very good player, great player. I wonder if he is that quick twitch, explosive, quick penetrator. Can he win quick off the ball? Uh, certainly he's not Aaron Donald from a play style standpoint, but you know, can he be uh, you know, what Chris Jones and what Fletcher Cox and uh, you know, some of the, the you know, DeForest Buckner, the guys that you figure are the elite interior disruptors in today's game. Can he be that guy? Um, you know, the people will ask that question a little bit more now uh, after that athletic workout. We'll see if he can improve on some of those numbers at the pro day. The only other guy, C-Mac, from a position drill standpoint that we haven't talked about yet that you and I both agreed had a really good position workout. We've talked about his two teammates already from Nebraska, but Darian Daniels, uh, another guy that we got to see up close and personal uh, in the all-star game circuit. Uh, strong, strong positional workout. A big boy. I mean, 330 pounds. He was moving. He did. He did a good job overall. He went a little wide on the one pass rush. For the first drill, he almost clobbered like three assistant coaches uh, on the field because he went to the wrong cone. But outside of that, after yeah. that, but it was a good it, workout. It was it was fun to watch because you could see the coaches kind of scatter for their lives because <laughs> you see the man. I was wondering what the weight was three thirty when you see a man moving like he was. It was like oh boy, this guy's coming at you. But. Um, I thought he was smoothing the agility drills. Uh, uh, check that he came in at he came in at three eleven, uh, a little bit oh. lighter than I thought. He was listed so he was listed three twenty two at East West. Uh, okay. I had him at three thirty when he was at uh, Oklahoma State, and yeah, so he's so uh, he's been shedding down. Yeah, he's been shedding weight. He's been shedding still weight. Still looks big. Big still boy. Still a big boy. It's a big boy. Three eleven. I was like, don't, don't make a difference. I was that's big enough. Uh, you're gonna have me getting out of the way. So I thought ran clean. Uh, the rest of the positional workout as well kind of just checked all the boxes there was very good uh showed a violent punch you know when hitting the bag so i, yep. I thought it was good yeah i thought he had, he had a strong workout one guy uh i gave an a2 in the workout was ross blacklock the defensive tackle uh from tcu 
I thought the testing was solid, but I thought that the position workout, this is a big boy who moves fluid. He's got some twitch to him. He's got loose hips. Uh, you saw the change of direction. You saw the light feet. I thought that you saw uh, a lot to like there with Ross Blacklock as a big kid who moves well. Uh, he interviewed well the other day uh, at, the, at the media availability. I thought he came off really well there. Uh, I'm pretty sure you, you said you were in on him as well, I believe. Yes. Uh, Blacklock, I thought, uh, had a good week overall. I thought he was explosive in the running club drill. Yep. You know, showed a lot of violent punch in there. Uh, showed the ability to cut. But you, you talk, and this goes back to the discussion with Derek Brown, is what do you want from today's defensive tackle? Ross Blacklock shows that he has that twitch. Derek Brown is a little bit questionable. So yep. that's something they have to factor into the evaluation. I mean, this is, again, just one piece of the overall puzzle. But uh, certainly Ross Blacklock has put his name on the map. Well, with the ability to do that, especially that desire to rush from the interior. That's what teams are looking for. One other guy I want to just touch on, we saw him at the senior ball, Daylon Hamilton. Yeah. I thought his positional workout was very good, was smooth in the pass rush drills. Uh, I thought he came off the belt ball well, turned the edge well. Uh, the running club drill, I thought it was consistent, did a good job keeping his body under control. Uh, felt like he was checking off the boxes there for me. And you liked Laurel Murchison as well. I did, yeah. I thought, uh, in fact, the running club draw, I thought – I thought he was actually among the defensive tackles. He was maybe my favorite one. I think he's yeah. underrated. Um, thought he was fluid in the, the, another new drill, the figure eight drill, where they yep. have two hoops and yeah. they, got a, they got a loop around them. I thought he was very fluid in that as well. So um, I don't think the timing and testing numbers were were spectacular for him, but the positional workout I thought was good. He brought it eight, 118, which is a great number. Okay. Um, and the other stuff was solid, above average, some below average. Uh, but this is a guy who was a, a fullback and defensive end in high school, uh, made the transition to defensive tackle once he got to NC State. And uh, a big kid who's got an athletic background. I, I think I. I think I'm a little bit higher on Murchison than, than most people are, and I, I was good. To, I was glad to see him uh, have a solid workout. My last guy was Neville Gallimore. I thought he had a really good uh, positional workout as well. We talked about him from the athletic standpoint, but this is a guy that just from an from a movement standpoint, if you're just studying his movement, I think he just he sets himself apart, man. He he's got really light feet. Again, the the loose change, the loose hips, the change of direction, uh, everything just looks easy with Neville Gallimore, and he's got that uh, multi-sport background, all the different things he did uh, growing up. He played soccer, he played basketball, he did all these things, and you can kind of see uh, some of those tools, some of those traits shine through uh, when he's asked to kind of move out there on the football field. He is Canadian. Are you holding that against him? No. Okay. Never. The beautiful, the great people up there. So I'll make sure there. Yeah. So it's it factors into the evaluation. Yeah, so they make you know great maple syrup. They've got they've got a lot going for them up there. Um, no, he's a he's a, a really cool kid too. I I, talk, I spent I actually spent a good amount of time with him down in Mobile. I got, I got him one on one in Mobile for like 10, 12 minutes, and I I came away really liking him. Um, so no, I'm excited for him and what he was able to do uh, on the turf. All right, let's make the transition now to the second group, the the edge rushers. And uh, my workout warrior was Caleb on Chasen. Uh, it was announced very briefly, yeah. very soon before the workout, uh, that he was not going to work out, which was disappointing. My off the radar, Alex Highsmith. So, uh -huh. uh, so check that box. Yes. Uh, I got. I'll take the W there. Uh, stopwatch shocker was Yator Gross Matos, which uh, it was announced that he had an injury earlier this week, but that he would be kind of a game time decision for what he was asked to do, and he didn't do much uh, from a testing standpoint. So uh, kind of missed on missed the boat on that one. And then, did positional drills though? He did. He did the positional drills, yes. but the stopwatch in terms of the athletic testing. Yes, uh, yes. didn't do anything there. And then will kill the drills. Uh, I picked Bradley and I. I thought he was okay going through the positional drills, uh, not to the level that uh, you would want to see, and certainly not to get that award from me. But uh, no, he was my pick there. Uh, from an athletic testing standpoint, 
I thought there, you know, there were guys that were okay. I thought Alton Robinson did a pretty good, jo- pretty good job across the board. Um, you know, this, this is a guy who's known for his flexibility in yeah. that first step, so you expected that. Uh, one guy, or here's two guys, okay. Casey Toole from uh, Stanford, who we saw at the Shrine Bowl, uh, outside linebacker in a three-four, great jumps, good shuttles, went four-six-two in the forty-yard dash for a guy that's probably like a Sam backer, outside linebacker in a three-four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he checked that box, and I thought he had a good positional workout as well. So Casey Toole, uh, you know, I know he worked out with the LB group, uh, but I see I group with the edges. Uh, okay. I thought that he did a, a good job overall. And then Carter Coughlin. Same kind of idea. He went four five seven. Great number in the forty yard dash. Great jumps as well. One hundred twenty six in the broad, thirty six in the vert. He got an A for me in his linebacker workout. Um, this is a guy that I think overall, if you're looking, okay, Sam linebacker uh, playing off the edge, doing some different things for you in coverage, and uh, you know, getting after the quarterback. He's really good on stunts and twists in that Minnesota defense. Uh, I think Carter Coughlin uh, certainly helped himself on Saturday night. So uh, those would be two guys to me from an athletic testing standpoint that really stood out. Uh, position drills. There were a couple guys that you and I crossed over on. One we've already talked about, Alex Highsmith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought both of us really liked what he did from a positional workout standpoint. I want to ask you about Yator Gross Matos because he was the other guy that you and I both gave A's to. So going back to my notes here on uh, Gross Matos here, uh, I thought he was very good in the agility drills. Uh, I thought he was he was solid in the pass rush drills. It was just across the board. It was just very good. Um, thought it showed some decent movement. They asked him to do zone drops. You weren't really as focused on these for some of the guys who you know are going to be playing exactly you know, defensive end, but uh, I thought he showed pretty good movement there. Um, had a nice punch in the uh, running club drill there. So I, I thought overall was, was solid. It was He's a very fluid mover, very yep. easy to watch from that standpoint. So I thought from top to bottom he was good in the positional drills. So after this, we had um, some differences in opinion on who were the guys that stood out most. So uh, I'll let you go first. I know the one name that you brought up at the very top was Jonathan Garvin, uh, the defensive end from Miami. Excited to get your thoughts on him because this was a junior, uh, one-year starter, I believe, for the Hurricanes. Uh, who came in, and I thought that the athletic testing was solid, uh, but give us your thoughts on what he did in position. I, I thought he had showed a ne- nice change of direction in the agility drills, the bag drill. Uh, I thought he was good. Uh, I thought he was one of the better players in the running club drill. I thought he was good in the figure eight, you know, being able to tur- turn the hoop. Uh, also, you know, taking into consideration some of the zone drops, he looked pretty good in space. He sh- I thought he showed uh, he can move. I noted he's a, a bit of a long strider, but thought he could definitely move there. Uh, I thought from Overall, I thought it just was very, very consistent and just uh, very, very fluid in the drills. Yeah, he was a guy that uh, I was interested to see work out. Um, another guy that I was very interested to see work out was Jonathan Grenard uh, from Florida, uh, his state mate here uh, from, from in Indianapolis. Uh, give us your thoughts on what you saw from Jonathan Grenard, who was a one-year starter this year for Florida, began his career at Louisville, Broke his wrist going into his junior year, was going to be a captain that year. Um, so missed all of that season. They had a change in coaching staff. He decided to transfer, followed his former defensive coordinator to Florida, the team that he grew up rooting for uh, when he was in Jacksonville. Great story. Became a captain in his one year of Florida. Yep. Okay, so made the quick transition there. Uh, I thought, going back, we saw him at the Senior Bowl. Yep. I thought he was solid at the Senior Bowl. Here, I thought he showed he was good with his body control. He was impressive, I thought, in the pass rush drills. Yeah. I thought he was fluid in, in the figure eight. Uh, this is, and this is something that I, was, I brought up to you a little bit uh, when we were watching the workouts. When you 
you, you start to, you know, have your likes and dislikes throughout the course of the draft process. You have the guys who you start wanting to bang the table for and all that. Do you ever have – does it ever cloud your evaluation when watching a drill? I'm not saying this happened with Grenard per se, but this was coming up in my mind where if you know you like a guy, is it like, all right, is it because I like that guy? Since I like this player, I thought it was a good – Good, uh, good rep, or is it? Nah, I don't like this guy, so I'm just gonna kind of discount it. It's t- obviously, I mean, we're human, so it's tough to completely ignore that. But I do try and keep an open mind, good or bad, when watching these guys. From a, uh, you know, especially because for some of them, it's the first time I've seen them up close. Period. You know, we mm-hmm. I, I go through it when we're down at the Senior Bowl, um, you know, and at the Shrine Bowl as well. Is you have your guys that you like and you don't like. Uh, but you want to almost like wipe the slate clean a little bit, and uh, you're going to have preconceived notions, right? We, we've talked a lot today about guys, man, I didn't expect this guy to test like he did. I didn't see that kind of movement on tape, and he comes out and he proved me wrong, and there were other guys where I expected good movement, and I didn't get it. So yeah. uh, you, you know, I, I think you have to kind of keep that slate open, uh, but it's not going to be something that's going to completely change my scope on these guys. I don't want to completely overreact to some of the stuff I saw here, but um, no, you definitely, I, I try and keep uh, that, that, sleet cl- that slate clean uh, whenever going into studying these guys up close and personal. So another guy, this is a personal favorite of you gotta mine. You're going to take a flex on this All one. Right. <clears throat> take a flex. I'm just going to clear the throw here. Derek Tusco, okay, North Dakota State, first arm up close at the Shrine Bowl. In uh, Tampa, St. Pete. He was one of like 12 guys going down there that I did not study. So I knew nothing about him going in. Just caught my attention. Flashed, high motor, tenacious, off the edge. Obviously comes from that winning program. Well, comes down here. Let's just go through the timing and testing drills. 4.79 in the 40, solid. 33.5 inch in the vertical. 10 feet in the broad jump. The best three-cone time among the defensive linemen at 6.87 seconds. Okay, so timing and testing, that was very good. Let's get to the positional drills. He could pop out his hand, showed violence there. Thought it was very bendy in the figure eight drill. Showed good acceleration coming out of the turn. And I thought he was uh, well-controlled when they were trying to test to see how well you can uh, control your body out there. So I thought top to bottom, I thought just alone on the positional drills. Was very impressed. Was pleased to see the progress they've made since the Shrine Bowl. And then you go back and you look at the timing and testing numbers. And... You know, this is going to be someone who's probably going to be like a solid, I think a very solid mid-round pick for a team. Yeah, I, I, you, were, you were on this guy early, and uh, he has certainly uh, checked a lot of boxes along the way across the process. Uh, two guys I wanted to bring up. Uh, Raekwon Davis, defensive line from Alabama, uh, worked with the defensive end group, if you want to call it that group, that second group of defensive linemen. Um, I thought he had a good workout. I thought the positional workout was very good, and especially when you take into you know account obviously his size. He looks a lot different than a lot of the guys he was running with. But uh, Raekwon Davis, I thought, had a really solid workout. You're just it's the the lack of production is going to come into play. I thought the athletic testing was okay. It wasn't great when you're looking at the defensive tackles, uh, but overall, I thought Raekwon Davis had a good positional workout. And then lastly, I want to hit on AJ Epinesa because yeah. I gave him an A on my position workout. Uh, this is a guy that's viewed as a, a top 15, top 20 pick, um, the defensive end out of Iowa. We knew he was not a good athlete coming in. He did not test like a very good athlete at all. Uh, d- had poor testing numbers, to be frank. So I think when you look at A.J. Epinesa, you have to it's, – it's kind of like the Derek Brown conversation we had a little, bit, a little bit ago. It's, you know, what kind of player is he? Understanding what he does well. Is he going to be a guy that wins really quick off the ball? P- probably not. 
But I think he wins with technique. He's got a high motor. He's great with his hands. He knows what he's doing to attack the offensive lineman across from him. He's gonna, it's going to be a very interesting evaluation to see where he ends up because you know, we talked uh, earlier in the week that he was a guy that I think kind of reminds me of a Trey Flowers as we were talking through it. And I think that uh, A.J. Epinesa, um, you know, very, very similar. I think he'll line up up and down the line of scrimmage and be able to make plays for an opposing defense. thought he was very impressive in his interview with yeah. the media. I, I was not in on him for his interview. Talked a lot about his family, his tongue and roots. Uh, dur- during the bowl game out in California, had a huge family tailgate beforehand. Uh, has a, talked about his support system, just has a great support system, helping him with the transition to the NFL. Uh, also talked about during that tailgate, that was the first time his girlfriend met the family. I can imagine that must have been quite an experience. So uh, getting the full uh, full family experience there. So, But I thought it was very impressive during his interview with the media. And this he comes in like the Bradley and I category, where coming into this, you were talking about the trusted tape, will kill the drills. Like, like you said, Epineza, Kill the drills. Kill the drills. Okay, was very good uh, from a techni- technical standpoint. Very, very refined. That's the thing, though. It's it's probably like a high floor type prospect where the off field stuff checks out. Coachable, son of a son of a coach who coached him when he was young. Uh, loves the game. All that stuff you're checking the boxes for. It's just the the quick twitch where it's going to take him from a you know good to a very good to an excellent prospect. That's the one thing that teams are going to have to debate over the next two months. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting discussion here uh, with A.J. Epinesa, a guy that was in top tens of mock drafts uh, all throughout the course of the process. He runs, uh, couldn't break five in the 40-yard dash. So we'll see uh, ultimately how that affects him moving forward. Well, he's got production too. Yeah, That's no the thing. Question. So it's not even just the... the he's a good line. football player. Exactly, that's the thing. So you can understand why he would be in the top ten of the mock drafts. Now it's just the... Athletic testing that comes into question. All right, let's get to the third group linebackers. My workout warrior, Patrick Queen, ran 4-5 flat in the 40. So I was looking good, but pulled up with it looked like a hammy or a quad. And then I, he got I shot. Yeah, I mean, then <laughs> it looked like he may have rolled his ankle in the back end of it. Like, it, you know, so he, he missed the rest of the workout, unfortunately. Uh, same thing happened with Kenneth Murray. Uh, he ran 4-5-2. He was 12 pounds heavier than Patrick Queen. Ran 4-5-2. Had great jumps, great broad, great vertical, um, and then he got hurt on his 40-yard dash. And you could just tell how disappointed he was, um, you know, coming off the field that he wanted to finish that workout. Uh, he looks the part too. Well put together. And so. a great kid. Like, man, like the more you dig into Kenneth Murray, the more it's just like, man, like this guy is. He's. It's tough to not root for that kid going into the NFL. It's really hard to not root for him. He's he's a really impressive person. Um, off the radar, Davion Taylor. I nailed that one. Uh, Jim Nagy obviously talked about him a couple weeks ago on the podcast. This is a guy that he expected to kind of blow the doors off the combine. Four four nine in the forty, great number. Really strong everywhere else in the athletic testing. So uh, Davion Taylor, athletic linebacker, track athlete uh, from Colorado, uh, certainly check that box. The position workout was just okay, but the athletic testing was really really good. Uh, my stopwatch shocker was Malik Harrison. We talked about him earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he checked that box. He was really really good across the board. Six eight three three uh, great three. Cone talked about the 40 yard dash, checked the box there. Four six eight. I talked about breaking that four eight mark. Uh, solid everywhere else. So really good job there by Malik Harrison. And will uh, will kill the drills was Troy Die, who was a medical exclusion, did not practice yeah. or did not go through drills. So uh, we did not see Troy Die. But 
Athletic testing. Uh, we talked about Isaiah Simmons, obviously, uh, extremely, you know, stood out in a big way. Uh, you mentioned Sean Bradley, uh, the linebacker from Temple. Temple. Uh, 4 5 1 in the 40 yard dash. I didn't see that kind of speed on film from Sean Bradley. So uh, that was impressive. And then he was solid everywhere else across the board. So uh, good overall workout from Sean Bradley. It was funny because he's running his 40, and you know, it's like, you know, I looked at Fran, I was like, looks like going fast. Is he known for his speed? And you're like, nah, that, you didn't really see that on tape as much. And then the time comes up, you're like, Oh, all right. So maybe he's got some got a little bit of tools there. But then you go back to the workout as well. And I thought just checked all the boxes. It was explosive uh, in the agility drills. The four-back shuffle looked really good there. Uh, and, you know, just pretty much it's good top to bottom. Just overall a very good positional workout. And then certainly the uh, timing and testing number is going to help his case here. So my last one for the athletic testing was uh, Dante Olsen, the linebacker from Montana, who – had just below an A where like I he was just on the outside looking at he made some outstanding catches uh in the coverage drills in the position workout but um oh, that's the one that the or the people are like you could hear on the microphones like uh like why am I not getting those balls oh how good? come I can't get those balls about jump up and go get it? Yeah. but Dante also made some great catches made gra uh, great grabs throughout the course of the workout he did not crack four eight so he's gonna want to rerun that forty yard dash because that was gonna that was a question about him but. Great jumps, solid shuttles, and a good positional workout. I th overall, uh, I thought Dante Olsen had a good day. Very productive player uh, from Montana. Uh, certainly a guy to, get to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, so that wrapped up who I thought stood out in athletic testing. Let's go to the position drills. And at linebacker, to me, I'll tell you what. I didn't watch Joe Bocci, uh, and I was I like, heard, who is Tobachi? Yeah, I didn't watch Tobachi, and I, I kind of knew what the book was supposed to be on him. Oh, he's, you know, he's slow. He's not going to be able to play in coverage. He's stiff. He had a solid uh, across-the-board athletic workout. Checked out, checked the box there. Broke four, you know, broke four eight, went in the four sixes. Position drills, fluid, loose, easy. Like, everything was really, really good. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job uh, in position drills for the linebackers. And the other thing is... He's the first person to go in each drill, so he's really setting the, t setting the tone. So you're like, okay, you see how he does it? Okay, how's that going to compare? And you're like, it was holding up every single time. Yep. Um, I thought you talked about the agility. I thought the backpedal reaction drill looked very good. He caught deep interception when they were practicing the zone drops. You look comfortable in that aspect of it. So uh, he was one of those guys, as you're going through the workout, it's like, okay, it, it, this goes back to your point about keeping an open mind. Like, you you're not expecting him to be one of the you know top testers here because he's not one of the name players per se here sure. in Indianapolis. But you come out of here saying like Joe Bocci had a really good workout. Cleeky uh, Hudson, uh, I thought had a really good workout from Michigan. Undersized player. Uh, some thought he would maybe be safety. Um, you know, he kind of bounce back and forth between both spots. But uh, I thought he looked really good uh, in everything that he was asked to do. Michael Walker, oversized linebacker, completely different body type, uh, but moved pretty well. I thought he was really fluid uh, getting through the bags and drills as well. So uh, the kid from Fresno State, I thought had an overall really good workout. I know one guy you wanted to talk about, C-Mac, was Michael Divinity, the linebacker from LSU. Yeah, I'm going to lead into it. There's going to be some off-field questions. He was suspended by LSU. Okay, so there's going to be something in there that the teams are going to have to dig into. Uh, but thought just very good in the agility drills and the pass rush drills. Made a nice over-the-shoulder grab when they were practicing the zone drops. Looked comfortable in space there. Uh, footwork was very fluid. So I thought one of the, he had one of the best position workouts of the linebackers in my estimation. I think you're going to look back now and say, okay, 
the character is going to be something that teams are going to have to make sure and double check before they bring him into the building. Yeah, uh, the, a couple of other guys we're just going to wrap up real quick was uh, Shaq Quarterman, four-year starter from Miami. Yep. Uh, I thought he had a good workout. You you agreed. You thought that was, you saw some good things from Shaq Quarterman. I think the the book on Quarterman. I think this comes into he was known as a run stuffer at Miami. We saw that at the Shrine Bowl. Yep. Very violent. Very very aggressive. Very downhill. Caught the attention of, of the offensive players. When you talked about the toughest guy that they went against, a lot of them were saying Shaq Quarterman. And it was he and his Michael Pickney was his teammate from Miami who was also there. It's like they were just back in Miami there working together on, on the field. So coming into here, you're like, does he look good in space? I thought he moved well in the agility drills. He didn't look out of place in those zone drops. So I thought he performed well above expectations. Uh, I, I'm just coming out of this. Linebacker group's pretty good. The depth is solid pretty group. good. It's solid. Yeah, I, I thought I was very, um, I was very pleased with, with the uh, pro progress made by some of the players here. Well, the last name I know you wanted to bring up, uh, and we'll wrap up the, the segment with this player. We'll leave it to Mr. Weaver. Mr. Evan Weaver, look, uh, coming out of Cal, I thought very, very good when we saw him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, just a nice lanky body, uh, very good agility in in the four bag shuffle. Um, Liked it. he was coming a little wide off the edge in the pass rush drill, but I thought he was checking the boxes there. Uh, moved well, I thought in the, in the wave drill. Um, thought he you know dropped one ball in the zone in the zone coverage, but just looked good in space. He actually made a nice one-handed grab to he actually did. cap off the workout. That was a, a good way for him to finish there on the uh, the deep pass. So I thought overall you know carried some strong momentum from as one of the. Uh, uh, top linebackers there at the Senior Bowl coming here to Indianapolis and thought he had a good position workout. All right, so let's, uh, that's how we felt about all these guys going through the workouts uh, on Saturday. Let's wrap this show up. It's time for Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so as always for Draft Mailbag, just go on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen. Leave a rating. Leave a, leave a comment. If you leave a question, we will answer it here on the show. We wanted to answer one here uh, from Right Him, who left a five-star review, longtime listener. So I uh, said, awesome job, guys, with the Mock Draft podcast. It was great to get everyone's thoughts on all the prospects. I actually forgot about linebacker Troy Dye from Oregon and how much he stood out to me this season in that Ducks defense. What did the tape tell you about his play if you studied him, and what round do you think he will get drafted? So, uh, look, we mentioned him earlier that he did not work out uh, due, due to a medical deal, so not sure how that's going to affect him and his draft placement moving forward, but you watch him. This was a guy that led the team in tackles all four years on campus, uh, was was really, really productive, uh, did a really good job from start to finish throughout the course of his career, really as soon as he stepped into Eugene. But I think ultimately this is a guy who's a little bit undersized. He came in at 231. He played in the 230s, the 220s, so uh, built like a long angular safety at the linebacker spot. You worry a little bit about his play strength, but really good in coverage. He's got a really good feel for playing in space, and I think that plays to today's game. He's got the ability to be a sub-package player as a floor. He can play a, a couple of different spots, probably best fit as a will backer, but uh, this is a guy that comes downhill with a nasty demeanor. He's just got to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, but uh, a really fun player that can make plays from sideline to sideline. If he was able to go this week, I think he would have tested well. He's a good athlete on film, but uh, yeah, I, I think really the, the, the question you have about him is his 
his size moving forward. So uh, that was my thoughts uh, on Troy Dye. Really good question there uh, from Wilt. Appreciate everybody that has had a chance to go on uh, and leave a question, leave a rating uh, on our Apple Podcast, our Stitcher page. Quick reminder as well, if you have a chance to go on, fill out that survey, philadelphiaeaglescom slash journey survey. Help us make this show better uh, as we move forward to 2020 and beyond. All that being said, Another show in the books. We've got one more day of workouts here from Indianapolis. The DBs work out on Sunday afternoon. We've got corners and safeties. We will bring you the reaction uh, to all of that action after the workout, and then we'll have our our full combine recap later this week on Wednesday. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.